things start early in our house. Uh, my son, uh, Micah, gets up at 5.30am uh, to go to work. Uh, and I get up at 5am. So Micah and I have this sort of silent early morning ritual that happens between the two of us uh, in our house. Silent so that we don't uh, wake up and disturb the rest of the house in that hour or so before Micah leaves for work. And one morning this week, a little bit before six, Micah came to me uh, and whispered, Dad, um, my face mask that I washed last night uh, just hasn't dried properly and, you know, I've got to shower and get dressed and whatever. Could you help me and uh, dry my face mask so that I can take it to work? I said, sure, sure. I thought, well, how am I going to dry a face mask? So I, I creep into our bedroom, uh, trying not to wake my wife, and I creep into our bedroom um, and, and somehow miraculously in the dark of the, uh, our little ensuite there, I find her hairdryer. I don't use the hairdryer very much myself. I find her hairdryer. Uh, but I, I can't use the hairdryer in our, in our ensuite because it's right next to the bedroom. It'll wake her up. So I have this great idea. I take Micah's face mask and the hairdryer and I sneak into the laundry uh, because I figure I can close the door in the laundry and no one will hear me. So here we are early in the morning. Uh, it's dark. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I dry Micah's face mask in the laundry and it goes beautifully. Uh, no one wakes up, it's all dry, I sneak out by the time Mike is out of the shower and eating his breakfast, I can present him with a nice dry face mask. All brilliant. The next day, uh, Ros calls me aside and says, Matt, we really got to talk to the children. Someone's unplugged the freezer in the laundry. You see where this is going? Unplugged the freezer in the laundry and left it unplugged. Like, I don't mind if people unplug it because they need to plug it, but they've left it unplugged. And I'm like, these darn kids, right? I'll talk to them. Uh, Ross says, fortunately, the freezer had been closed all that time, so none of the food had spoiled, even though, you know, it had been unplugged for a day that, you know, had sort of kept the cold. None of the food had spoiled. But, man, we really got to get on these kids. I said, yeah, I'll get on these kids. And then it occurs to me that it was me, that it wasn't the kids, that it was me, that I thought that I was, uh, I thought that I was unplugging an old, uh, an old clothes dryer that, uh, that we don't use. And I, I thought I was unplugging that, and so I didn't bother about plugging it in again. I wondered why it was plugged in the first place. It doesn't work. Um, but in fact, I'd unplugged the chest freezer, and it was just such a stupid mistake. Uh, I felt like such an idiot in that moment. I felt like such a failure, you know? Um, so we're in, uh, uh, we're in this series that we're calling Overcomer, um, where we're recognising that there are a lot of things in life, and for many of us, there are things in our life that, that seem to overcome us, that we live with a sense of being overcome by things like fear and anxiety and doubt and temptation and loss and failure. And I know right now you're thinking, failure, great, I come to church on the day when they're going to talk about failure, because uh, like, we don't want to talk about failure, like, none of us, we, we don't want to be a failure, we want to be successful, we want to win, uh, you know, we, we want to live a life that's characterised by almost anything except failure. But of course, we all fail sometimes, you know, everyone knows that, um, that at least sometimes in our life comes failure. Maybe you didn't get a job uh, that you really wanted to. They chose someone else. Maybe there's that boy at school and, and, and you, know, you really like them, but they've chosen 
someone else. Maybe uh, your uni assignment came back and it had a D written on it. Or maybe it had a B written on it, but you feel like all your friends got an A. You know, that thing, everyone else got an A. It's just me. Maybe you live with that sense that I, I just can't stick with my Bible reading plan. You know, I've started this thing so many times, but I just keep missing it. Maybe you're a person who remembers the day when you said, till death do us part, and now you're parted. Maybe there's that thing at work that you're behind on and everyone else knows you're behind on it and there's this kind of awkward, you know, like when is, when is he, when is she going to, you know, pick up their game and, uh, and, you know, get on with this piece of work. Maybe you're a person that, that in your mind, you're just trying really hard to be nice to your father. You know, he's kind of not nice to you, but you really want to be nice to him and you're determined to be nice to him but you just keep blurting out other things. You know what it is? In the moment, he says something and all of a sudden, you're at each other again. Or maybe it's a little bit of all of the above. We've all got our own story, don't we, when it comes to failure. And in the end, lots of us live with this sense that I just thought life would be better. You know, I just thought I'd be making a better go of life than I am right now. Everyone fails sometimes. But what about when failure seems like all of the time rather than sometime? Or when, when, when failure seems to overcome us? Maybe because it's a really big, really significant favour. This was my dream job. This was the one job interview I really wanted to get. And they said no. Or maybe it's because it just keeps happening. They're little things, but there's just this sense that they just keep happening. It's just, you know, I, I, I kind of, I fail and I fail and I fail and I, I just want to win and I just feel overcome by that sense of failure. And in your heart, you start to feel less like a winner who's failed and you start to feel more like a failure. There's that line, isn't there? And your mind starts to say things. You start to have that conversation in your mind uh, where you start to say things like, I always mess up. You know, I'm never going to be any good at this. I'm just hopeless. And since we're being honest, uh, when you start to think about your Christian faith in the middle of this moment, it often for us just seems to feel worse because I don't read the Bible as much as I should. Everyone else prays more than me. You know, I wish I was more kind, I wish I was more generous. Why do I keep doing the things that I don't want to do? Why don't I do the things that I do want to do? Man, God must be so disappointed in me. Such a failure. It all sounds a bit sad, doesn't it? <laughs> if you can relate to any of that, I want to write from the get-go, I want to give you some good news. And the good news is that in the midst of failure, there is hope. I mean, if there's anything that is the heart of the Christian story is that in the midst of failure, there is hope. There is a way to live a life where failure doesn't overcome us. Now, I'm not talking about living a life where you don't fail, right? Because we all fail. This isn't, this isn't some sort of, you know, you'll always be a winner. 
No, this is about finding a way to deal with the failure that inevitably comes so that that failure doesn't overcome us, but rather we can overcome it. I'm talking about a way to overcome failure. And I want to tell you that if you want to overcome failure, a really good first step is to read the Bible. And you say, what? No, no, I'm serious. This is the reason. This is the reason. If you feel like a failure, reading the Bible will make you feel a whole lot better about yourself because the Bible is full of stories of people who failed way worse than you're ever going to fail, right? The Bible is full of total epic failures. People who messed up. I'm not just talking about little failures. I'm talking about people who messed it up totally. So if you're in a moment, you're having a day, you're thinking, I just feel lousy today. I want to catch you. Open the Bible just about anywhere and read someone's story and you'll feel a whole lot better about your own mess when you read about the mess of the people in the Bible. Does that make sense? I mean, the very first story in the Bible, if you read from page one, is a story of Adam and Eve, right? Total failure. Total failure. Like God gives them this, this perfect or literally a perfect world and they totally mess it up. Absolutely complete failure. They have two kids, two boys, fail. One boy kills the other boy in a fight. Well, that's a fail, isn't it? <laughs> right? That, that's not a win. Virtually every major character in the Bible is a character study on failure. Any of these names you recognize, Noah, Moses, Saul, David, Solomon, Jonah, Paul, if you've heard of any of that, all of those people, all of those lives are characterized, are defined probably more by their failures than by their successes. And we're not just talking about little stumbling blocks or missteps. We're talking about serious, epic, total failure. But there's probably no greater failure in the story of the Bible than the story of Peter. Now, you might have heard about Peter. Peter was a fisherman who started following Jesus. And he quickly became one of Jesus' inner group. We often call that inner group the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. But they were the group. There were lots of people who followed Jesus. But there was a, there was a core group that was, that was sort of his gang. And, and, and Peter probably, uh, almost certainly actually now, is the most famous of that inner gang. There's more stories uh, about Peter in, in the scriptures, when Matthew and Mark and Luke and John sat down to write the story of Jesus, there's more stories about Peter than about any of that other inner group. But Peter's also, also sort of famous because Jesus singled him out. Jesus singled him out uh, sort of for authority and for leadership in a way that he didn't single out any of the other uh, disciples or people who followed him. Matthew remembers it like this. When Jesus said, I tell you that you I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome it. Peter's real name was Simon. That was the name that his, his parents gave him when he was born. But Jesus changes his name. He said, you used to be called Simon, but now we're going to call you Peter. And well, you just go, well, why the difference? In, in the language that, uh, that Peter and Jesus spoke, the word Peter, it literally means rock. Well, that's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, imagine if, imagine if Jesus showed up and said, uh, we're not going to call you Steve anymore. 
uh, from now on, we're going to call you Rock. We're going to call you Rock because you're going to be the foundation. I know you're looking at me like, well, that's what people call me anyway. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're going to call, we're going to call you Rock because, because you're going to be the foundation that my movement is going to be built upon. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And, and, and Peter seems to be fulfilling that potential. He seems to be living up to that. The final moments of Jesus' life, which, of course, Peter and the others didn't know would be the final moments of Jesus' life, but, but they're together, and Jesus starts predicting his own death. And Peter's right there amongst it. Uh, Matthew tells us that Jesus said to them, This very night, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. A verse or two later, Peter said to him, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus declared, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter replied, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. I want to be like Peter in that moment, don't you? His courage and his, his confidence, his passion, his determination. It kind of reminds me of Mel Gibson in Braveheart, isn't it? It's like Peter going, you know, even if all fall away, I'll never fall away. If I have to die with you, you know, freedom. It's, you know, this is, this is Peter's kind of moment of boldness and courage. If you met someone like Peter at uni or at school or in your workplace, you'd probably look at Peter and the things happening in his life and you'd probably say, Peter's on the fast track to success. He's got everything he needs. The, the boss thinks he's great. He's, you know, he's out there. He's bold. He's doing all these great things. But in spite of all of Peter's bravado and his courage and his passion and determination, Jesus was right about him on that night. Because only a few hours after this whole scene, the guards come and the soldiers come and Jesus is arrested. And there's swords and there's clubs and there's panic, and everybody runs. Nobody stays to fight. Everybody panics, and everybody runs, including Peter. Even if everyone falls away, I never will, says Peter. But he did. And he didn't just fall away, he ran and hid, right? <laughs> He didn't just slip away. He panicked and he ran and he hid. And when the guards had disappeared, when they dragged Jesus away to court and the coast was clear, Peter comes out of his hiding. And he sneaks back into Jerusalem to the court where he knows they're going to try Jesus. And he sneaks into the, into the courtyard outside the room, just trying to get close enough so he can hear what's going on. But not so close that anyone will recognize him. He, he wants to sort of sneak in anonymously. Listen to how the story unfolds. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him. There's people all around. You also were with Jesus the Galilean, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. When Peter had gone out to the gateway, uh, around the other side sort of thing, another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, 
This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those nearby came up to Peter. Surely you're one of them. They said, for your accent gives you away. He's from the same country town. He's got that same sort of accent. I know where you're from. At that point, he began began to, to curse and swear to them, a bit like we might say, you know, I swear on my mother's grave, you know. He began to curse and swear to them, I do not know that man. And immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Total failure. Only a few hours before this, Peter had been boldly saying, I'll never deny you. I will die with you rather than deny you. And now he's watching the trial secretly from a distance. And when someone points him out and says, hey, you're with this guy, he denies it. He pretends that he doesn't even know Jesus. Never met the bloke. The good news I want you to hear today is that that's not the end of the story is that Peter's failure is not the end of his story. But Jesus' trial is a disaster. Uh, Inside that courtroom, the whole thing's rigged. Uh, They trump up uh, charges against him. And within 24 hours of his arrest, Jesus has been tried, found guilty, tortured and executed. Within 24 hours of those words, Jesus is dead. But the better news is that's not the end of the story either. Amen? Within two days of all of this happening, Jesus rises from the dead in a series of events that my mind still just can't quite comprehend. Uh, Jesus rises from the dead and with his resurrection comes forgiveness and restoration and hope. After Jesus rose from the dead, he appears to Peter and to the other 12 and to, and to the wider group a number of times, actually, over a period of a month or more. Jesus spends a bunch of time in them. And on one of those moments, they're eating a meal together. They're eating a meal together. And John tells this story. He says, when they'd finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, his dad's name was John, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? He says, Simon, do you love me more than than you love everyone else here? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he answered. You know I love you. And Jesus asked him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he answered. You know I love you. Jesus told him, shepherd my sheep. And Jesus asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was deeply hurt that Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He replied, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Why does Jesus ask Peter three times? Three times. Come on, you see the link, right? This is so cool. Jesus is forgiving and restoring Peter and and, and asking him three times is a clear link to the three times that Peter denied Jesus 
uh, days, weeks beforehand. This is Jesus saying, you denied me once, I forgive you. You denied me twice, I forgive you. You denied me three times, I forgive you. And I am restoring you to the calling that I gave you. When he says, feed my sheep, when he says, feed my lambs, that's a connection to Jesus' earlier calling of Peter. Um, uh, Jesus, in a number of uh, places in Scripture, um, Jesus talks about the role of a leader in the church like being a shepherd over sheep. This is Peter's way of saying, remember what I said about you, know, you being a leader, you being the foundation on which I'm going to build this church? That calling is still alive in your life. How cool is this? This is a powerful moment for Peter. Jesus is saying, I know you failed. I forgive you and I still have a plan for your life. I am still planning to use you even though you failed. I will still use your life for good. And some of us need to hear those words today, don't we? Some of us need to hear Jesus speaking those words over our life and over our failures, saying, I know you failed. I know you failed, but I love you and I forgive you. And I still have a plan and a purpose for your life. I'm still planning to use you even though you failed. That doesn't change my purpose and my plan to use your life for good. And I want to tell you this morning that the key to overcoming failure is to listen to Jesus speaking into your life rather than to listen to the condemning voices around you. The writers of the New Testament um, often talk about life like a battle. They say that we are in a spiritual war. There is a spiritual war happening, a war between Jesus and the power of God and between Satan and dark spiritual forces. And we are the battlefield. That your life and mine, that we are the battlefield, that that war is being fought on and being fought over. That's why when we fail, we hear the accusing voices in our minds telling us that we're no good, telling us we're a failure, telling us it's hopeless. I mean, did you know that the word Satan, the name Satan, did you know that that, that actually means in the original language that that word means adversary or accuser? That's why they call Satan Satan because his very nature, his very sort of purpose is to be the voice of the accuser in our lives. So when we fail and when we hear those words of accusation, we're not hearing the words of God in our life. We're hearing the words of the accuser saying, you're no good. You'll never be any good. You're a mess. You're hopeless. God could never use you. They're never the words of God in our life. They're the words of the accuser in our life. Because Satan wants nothing more uh, than to derail you from God's purpose in your life, right? But there's good news in all of this because, as we said before, Jesus rose from the dead. And in the moment, in that act of rising from the dead, Jesus overcomes death and he overcomes sin. In that moment, Jesus defeats Satan 
and his armies. And so while we feel in life like there's a battle going on, and there is, I want to tell you the good news that the outcome of that battle is already decided. Amen? We already know who wins. Jesus wins. Forgiveness and restoration and hope wins. The accuser loses. Friends, you don't have to listen to the voice of the accuser in your life. It doesn't matter how you failed. It doesn't matter how many times you failed. Jesus speaks forgiveness and restoration and hope over your life. They are the words of God over your life and into your life. We have to learn, we have to learn to recognize uh, the voice of the accuser and ignore it. We have to learn to listen to the voice of God speaking restoration and hope and forgiveness into our life. And you say, well, how do I know which voice is which, Matt? Because if you're like me, there's all sorts of voices go around in your head, aren't there? We don't like to admit that, but it is. Uh, it is the truth for us, isn't it? How do you know? You know by what the voice says. Because it's the, voice of, it's the voice of Satan, it's the voice of the accuser that will tell you you're no good. It's the voice of the accuser that will tell you you're a failure. It's the voice of the accuser that will tell you you've failed one time too many. God can never use you now. You're just a mess, you're hopeless. Jesus will never tell you you're hopeless. Jesus will never tell you you're a failure because uh, Jesus says of himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. That's his message. You know, that, that's, that's what he speaks from into your life. I mean, that, that's why I, I know I keep harping on this, but that's why I keep encouraging uh, people in this church and, and people who watch us online. That's why I keep encouraging you to read the Bible, to read your scriptures. Because that's where you'll read the words of Jesus. That's where you can see the objective truth of Jesus. It's where you can see and read his words of forgiveness and his words of life and his words of restoration for you. That's where we read the truth not only about Jesus, but also the truth about you. The key to overcoming failure is to decide who you will listen to in your life. The key to overcoming failure is to listen to Jesus speaking over your life rather than to listen to the condemning voices around you. The key to overcoming failure is to listen to Jesus speaking over your life. I know you. I know you failed, but I love you and I forgive you and I still have a plan and a purpose for your life. I still have a plan and a purpose for your life. I still have a plan and a purpose for your life. We can't stop failing. I mean, not totally anyway, you know. There are always going to be failures and missteps and mistakes that come into our lives. Sometimes we do them deliberately, sometimes they just happen, you know. We all mess up, we all make mistakes, we all fail. We can't change that but we can change who we listen to in those moments. We can change the voices that we listen to and the messages that we listen to in those moments. You can learn to overcome failure in your life, not by failing any less, but by the voices that you choose to listen to in those moments of failure. 
And the good news this morning is that you can be forgiven. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, you can be forgiven. That is the good news of Jesus. That is the gospel, the, the good news, the message of Jesus to the world is that you can be forgiven. That you can be restored. That you are never beyond hope. You are never too far gone. You've never messed up too much. That God will not use your life for his good purposes. I can say that confidently. To No matter what you've done in life, I can say that confidently because that is the good news of Jesus to the world. No matter what you've done, you can be restored. You can find hope. There is never any life that is hopeless. Listen to me when I say God never gives up on you. God never gives up on us. God never gives up on his plan and his purpose in this world. No matter how many times we stuff up, no matter how many times we fail, no matter how many times we make mistakes, even the same mistakes again and again and again, God never gives up on you. The key to overcoming failure is to choose the voices that you'll listen to in that moment. To listen to him and to believe what he says about you and what he says about your life. That's the key to overcoming failure in your life.